Good morning, everybody, and welcome to worship at Hillhead. This morning, we are a little bit low tech, and we have been joking that it is the all singing, all dancing Katrina and Bethany show. Uh, for those on site, you are not going to get me amplified because that would cause us too many problems with the little speaker that we're using. For those online, everything should come through. Hopefully, you can hear us loud and clear. And all the music will be played via PowerPoint because I think that's the least likely to crash when we're going this way. So it's all a little bit experimental, but hey, it wouldn't be Hillhead if we didn't have a few experiments and it certainly wouldn't be me. Why stop the habit of a lifetime now? So good to be together. Special welcome to Willie and Valerie who are with us on site today, having travelled down uh, so that we can physically embodied and welcome them into membership. We have welcomed people into membership online. We're very happy to do it through either medium, but today we'll be doing it on site. No particular pieces of family news to share with you this morning. So we move on into our act of worship and Rachel is going to light our candle for us this morning. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. And so let us pray. God of all, we are glad to be together this day, meeting with others to worship you. As we gather, 
we pause to recognize the wonder of who you are and the impossibility of adequately expressing our responses to that. We praise you because you are before all else, a God of love, mercy, grace and compassion, who delights in all that you have made and whose desire is for all creation to be redeemed and renewed. We thank you because you are a God who chose to enter fully into our lived experience, born as one of us, sharing the limitations of being human, yet still fully and authentically who you are. We recognize that even at our very best, we fail to live up to our own best endeavors. And at our worst, we willfully choose alternatives that are selfish, harmful or destructive to others and to ourselves. So we thank you that you speak to us in the inner voice of conscience and through the wise counsel of others, enabling us to name, admit, and lay down all that denies our true humanity. Spirit of God, who heals and energizes, who restores and renews, we are grateful for your presence within us and among us. We ask that in this time of worship, we would be open to your quiet whisper and your gentle nudge or to your more unexpected and dynamic movement so that we may each grow in grace, faith and love. These things we pray in the name of our triune God. Amen. I'm going to use a contemporary version of the Lord's Prayer adapted from the prayer book of the Anglican Church of New Zealand by Tom Hall of the Progressive Christian Network. But if you prefer to pray in a traditional form and your own language, do please feel free to do so. Eternal Spirit, source of all that is and ever shall be, loving parent in whom we discern heaven, May knowledge of your holiness inspire all peoples. And may your commonwealth of peace and freedom flourish on earth until all of humankind heed your call to justice and compassion. May we find the bread that we need for today. And for the hurts we cause one another, may we be forgiven in the same measure that we forgive. In times of trial and temptation, help us to be strong. When life seems overwhelming, help us to endure. And thus from the yoke of sin, deliver us. May you reign in the power of human love, now and forever. Amen.
So now I'm going to invite Willie and Valerie to come and join me at the front as we share together in the promises of covenant as they formally become members of our church. You want to come round here so that we can get you on the camera. <laughs> come closer, come closer. That's great. Can we all see before we get to the appropriate bits? And I will try to speak up. In the name of our loving God, it is our joy to welcome Willie and Valerie into the membership of this church. They have been disciples of Jesus for many years and come to us with the warm commendation of Wick Baptist Church, where they were previously members. They are committed to serving God in this community. Today, we acknowledge and thank God for that commitment. So I'm going to ask you some questions now. <laughs> if you can speak nice and loudly, that would be fantastic. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, your creator and redeemer and the sustainer of all things? I do. This is the God in whom I trust. Do you believe that God has led you to share in the worship, life and witness of this local congregation. I do, and I thank God for the gift of fellowship. Will you share with us the gifts God has given you that, together, we may serve God in our local community and in the wider world? I will, and all I have is given by God. As Baptist Christians, we covenant together as a community of disciples of Jesus Christ. Baptised into his name, we share the joys and responsibilities of fellowship. We gather for worship and to discern the mind of Christ. Together, we seek the kingdom of God through prayer, witness and service. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to build one another up in love. Will you share with us in this common life and service? And will you walk together with us before God in ways that are known and yet to be made known? I will. Thanks be to God. Thank you. And now, if this is your regular place of worship and if you are on site and able, I'd like to invite you to stand. If you are online, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but if you're feeling a bit like um, touch the screen, just reach out a hand as a sign. That would be nice if you want to just keep your hands down, which you probably will. That's fine too. But I am going to ask those for whom this is a regular pace of worship, some questions, and I think you've got them on your thing. I don't think I need to put it up on the screen. I don't think I've got it to put on the screen anyway. So do you welcome Willie and Valerie into the fellowship of this worshipping community? God has given us the gift of Willie and Valerie and through them has given us gifts for ministry in the life and witness of this congregation. Will you support them in Christian service and in the responsibilities of church membership? Will you pray for and encourage them through hospitality, friendship and prayer? And now Holly, as our church secretary, is going to come and formally welcome you. Not that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Thank you very much. Uh, please, please sit down for all about um, 10 seconds till I make you stand up again. As is customary, I invited Willie and Valerie to choose songs for us. And one of those we're going to have now, it's new to us. It is, I think it's beautiful. I found absolutely amazing a cappella um, recording of it. So uh, the words will appear on screen along with the music. Um, if you want to just sit back and enjoy it, that's great. If you know it or as you get to sort of the feel of the, the rhythm of the, the music, do feel free to join in. To the river I am going Bringing sins I cannot bear Come and cleanse me Come forgive me Lord I need to meet you there In these waters Healing mercy flows with freedom from despair. Not lovely? Maybe it'll become a favourite. Will, if you'd like to come and read for us. Our reading is from the Gospel according to John, uh, chapter 16, beginning at verse 5. Jesus said, Now I am going to the one who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send them to you. And when they come, they will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father. And you will see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, they will guide you into all the truth, for they will not speak on their own, but will speak whatever they hear and will declare to you the things that are to come. They will glorify me because they will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that the advocate will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will no longer see me. And again a little while and you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying to us, A little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They said, 
What does he mean by this, a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Are you discussing among yourselves what I meant when I said, A little while, and you will no longer see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. On that day, you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. This morning, we have shared in something very special and very important as we have welcomed Willie and Valerie into what over the years we have come to refer to as the covenanted membership of Hillhead Baptist Church. The idea of covenant is very important to us. In the context of worship and in the presence of God, we've made solemn promises to each other at the beginning of what we hope will be a really positive and fruitful relationship. I actually found it incredibly moving because that's the last time I'm going to do that. Um, and it kind of gave me a bit of a, a gut punch, which I think is a good thing. But as part of those promises, this is some of the words that we used. As Baptist Christians, we covenant together as a community of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Baptised into his name. We share in the joys and responsibilities of fellowship. We gather for worship and to discern the mind of Christ. Together, we seek the kingdom of God through prayer, witness and service. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to build one another up in love. 
it was that last sentence, that last phrase that really struck me this week as I was preparing for the service. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to build one another up in love. I want you to hold on to that, if nothing else that I say this morning. I've got to be honest, a few weeks ago when I thought, oh, I know, I'll preach this series on Jesus' farewell discourses, John chapter 14 to 17, that seemed quite straightforward. I knew that chapter 14, I could do something around the many mansions, the many dwelling places, there was a celebration of diversity. I knew I could do something with the vine imagery in chapter 15 about fruitfulness and the inevitability of pruning to allow for new fruitfulness. And I knew that next week I could do something useful around prayer with chapter 17. I didn't actually think to read chapter 16. Kind of thought it would sort itself out. Well, there you go. After all these years, how wrong can you be? As I started to read it closely, and I suspect as you heard it read so well by Will this morning, I began to realise that it kind of contradicts itself and it contradicts what came before. For example, Jesus is recorded as saying to his followers, none of you is asking, where are you going? And yet, if you can remember two weeks ago, they asked precisely that. In fact, it was Thomas who said, we don't know where you're going. So what is going on here? What am I supposed to do with this apparently contradictory set of scriptures? And there's others in there, if I had the time, which I don't. So being a reasonably good minister, I went to my bookshelf and took down my commentaries. And I was incredibly relieved to discover that even the most learned scholars are equally puzzled by this passage. And they come up with all sorts of theories. Some of them think, oh, well, obviously, there's just a mistake somewhere when they were editing this gospel way back nearly 2000 years ago. Others say, well, clearly there are more than one edition of the of the gospel. And others go, oh, yes. But, you know, when they say that, they don't really mean that. They really mean this. Maybe it is enough to recognize that this gospel this part of the gospel reflects a time in the life of the disciples that was bewildering and confusing and small wonder that the recollection is imperfect. Emotions are powerful and things are becoming increasingly tense. I have a suspicion the author or authors of this gospel or editors of this gospel are not expecting us to get bogged down in the details but rather to go with the flow and recognize that they are exploring theological ideas. Jesus has said to his closest friends, I'm going away. And they really can't understand that. It's turned their world upside down. They have followed him faithfully for a long time. They've seen the signs and the wonders that helped to reveal who he really was to them. They've heard the I am sayings when he takes the divine and applies it to himself. But they haven't had time to work out what any of this means. It's bewildering. It's confusing. They feel shocked and sad, 
confused. Maybe they're angry. Maybe they feel let down. How dare he talk about going away? I wonder what words they might have used themselves if only they could have recorded them. And I wonder when they were so overwhelmed with these feelings, just how much they could take in of what Jesus said to them, never mind make any sense of it. I'm going away, says Jesus. And even though it doesn't feel like it right now, that is going to turn out to be a good thing. That's what he says. Chapter 16, verse six. Could they hear that? And if they could hear it, could they believe it? And was there a day at some point in the future when they could make sense of it? How could it possibly be a good thing that Jesus was going to leave them? Jesus also gave them a very important promise, but it was a bewildering promise. Jesus is quite good at bewildering promises, if you want my view. In fact, what he does here is to build on a promise he already made them in what we know as chapter 14. In chapter 14, he's recorded as saying, I will ask the father who will give you another paraclete. And the paracletes will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said. Now, just very briefly around that word paraclete. Because different Bible translators choose different words to turn that Greek word into English. The Greek word literally means somebody who is called alongside. So many translators use the word advocate, and that is generally a legal term in this context. And that seems to fit well with the courtroom imagery that is inferred from the beginning of this chapter 16, which talks about judgment and conviction. But also remember in our time, an advocate can be somebody who speaks for. We talk about advocates for children. We talk about advocates for people need, with disability or with additional needs. Some translators use the word counselor and that can have two meanings. You can have a legal counsel which is not so far off from an advocate, mm -hmm. or there's the therapeutic counsellors, the people whose training and wisdom enables them to offer spaces where we can work through pain or trauma or loss in a helpful way. So it's a therapeutic healing kind of image. And others just go for simple words like a helper or a comforter which speak about the characteristics of this other person. So which is the right word and does it matter anyway? Well, guess what? The commentators can't even decide. They admit there is no one right translation because actually we are here going into the realms of mystery because all words are slippery and inadequate. What they do agree on, though, is that the paraclete, the language used in this gospel, is the same person as the Holy Spirit. And that might seem really obvious, but it's no less important. And interestingly, because I've gone off my script slightly, I've said the same person who is the Holy Spirit. 
because the commentators suggest in this gospel, this fourth gospel, the word could be used to describe either a person, which is why we tend to use human pronouns, he, she, they, as I chose as a gender neutral word this morning, or it can be argued that this is actually an energy, a power rather than a person. So it, it is the word sometimes used to describe the Holy Spirit. And you can argue for either of those, but you can't prove them. Well, guess what, folks? I think it's that typical theological thing. It's both and. The spirit has a dual nature, just like light. Who knew it? Sorry, that's a kind of vaguely for the physicists among us, which is probably me today, but never mind. The Holy Spirit, what are the words we use for the spirit? We use words like breath, wind, fire, water, oil. These are not human words, are they? But we also use words like wisdom. So abstract words as well as concrete words. The commentators suggest, and I think this is partly what Jesus is saying here, that if we can describe the local church as being the body of Christ, and that's how we begin our services each week as we light our candles, then the local church can also be understood as the embodiment or the personification of the spirit. Certainly in the passage we've heard this morning, a key part of the work of the spirit is to guide the community of believers in its life of faith. So that could be a person, and it could be a power source. Do you remember those words in the promise that we used a little earlier? In the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to build one another up in love. That's what we said today. That is what we say every time we covenant with somebody in membership. And there's a real danger, isn't there, that there are words we speak today and we forget tomorrow. But these words are a serious promise made trusting that Jesus' promise is true. That the spirit of God will indeed enable and empower us to live out the reality of those words. I could go on for longer. You'll be relieved to know I'm not going to. I've got nearly to the end of what I have written down. Important things to hold on to. Jesus promised his followers that when he left them, they would not be left abandoned. They would not be orphans. They would not be forgotten. They would receive help and power and encouragement from God's spirit. God's paraclete, the advocate, the helper, the counsellor, not just to survive, not just to make it through, but in order to thrive and flourish so that there could be new fruits in a new season. And I think in times of change, it's really important to hold on to this truth 
that God's spirit is God's promised presence among us and within us. And so in a season of change and challenge for this church, I want us to hold on to the truth and to hold on to this promise that we have made to each other. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to build one another up in love. Amen. We're going to sing and you're going to hear me belting this out uh, very loudly on the recording. I was obviously feeling very enthused that day. So God's spirit lives to set us free. And so now we come to our prayers for others. Let us pray. Loving God, this is the third week that we have listened to scriptures where we're told that Jesus said, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. But that's not quite true, is it, God? We can pray things sincerely, repeatedly, frequently, using all the time-honoured formulas, and either nothing seems to change or things get worse. So it can't be that simple, can it? Sometimes preachers tell us that our prayers don't find the answers we hope for because what we ask for contradicts your will. And whilst that's going to be true, sometimes we do try to pray in the right way for the right things like peace, and justice and hope. 
And then we're reminded by mystics and prophets alike that the answers to our prayer are often found in the way we live out our faith in the ordinary every day. That we are your hands and feet, your ears and eyes, your mouth and your mind. It is as your spirit enables us that we not only pray aright, but live faithfully. And so we pray cautiously, tentatively, not seeking miracles, but instead the motivation to play our part in enabling the answers to become reality. The BMS prayer focus this week is on their work among people with disabilities. They write, in many contexts in which BMS works, disability is considered a punishment. Disability is accompanied by stigma and little accommodation is made to support those living with disability or their families. God who creates all people in your image and likeness, we give thanks for the work of BMS World Mission as it seeks to model a positive Christ-centered worldview via projects including audiology, speech therapy, physiotherapy, mental health care, trauma counselling, special education and policy making in Bangladesh, Uganda, Thailand, Afghanistan and in Chad. The Baptist Union of Scotland this week asked us to pray in a range of different ways and for different people. We thank you, God, for Ivy Young, the ministry administrator, whose quiet, efficient presence and resilient determination are such a gift, both to the organisation and to those who serve as ministers. And we ask that you will sustain, energize and empower her so that she may flourish in all she does. We pray for the Irish Baptist Network, a relatively small grouping of Baptist churches, as they seek to engage with the Baptist unions in England, Scotland and Wales, that this may lead to deeper relationships and to mutual flourishing. And for Irvine and Islay Baptist churches, we pray for refreshment over these summer months, for renewed or new faith, hope and love as they continue to serve their local communities. Turning to our own church, we pray for those who serve as charity trustees, for Holly as church secretary, Alistair as treasurer, Katrina H as clerk, for Addie, 
Emma, Lena and Jeff as managers. In this time of change and challenge, may they know both your empowerment and our support as they serve this local congregation. We pray with gratitude for Willie and Valerie who've chosen to throw their lot in with this congregation and to share their lives with us. Help us to truly live out the promises we've made to each other, that deep relationships and mutual flourishing may be experienced. This week, we hold especially in our thoughts and prayers, Adi, Moji, Esther and Shay, Elham, Ali, Benjamin and Badia, Nasi, Nikan and Nikia, Marit, Tom and Arthur, Ian, Elizabeth and Joanna. You, loving God, know the secret fears and private hopes of each of these, our siblings in Christ. Where we can, show us how we may love and serve them in your name. And lastly, in a few moments of stillness, we open our hearts and minds to God, bringing our prayers, our hurts and our hopes. Holy God, you have listened patiently to a lot of prayers. And for that attentive listening, we thank you. Now, we dare to trust that in some way, through us, through others, or even beyond any human endeavour, you will indeed answer our prayers, which we offer in the name of Christ. Amen.
I'm going to read a poem by George Herbert. Love made me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful, Oh my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply. But who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame. My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did. Sit and eat. God is love. And in love, God welcomes us here to this table where bread and wine are ready prepared. God is love and in Christ, God's love is lived among us and for us. At this table, where we remember his last supper, we recall his last words. Do this to remember me. A man who called himself the least of all the disciples, the least of all the apostles wrote this. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. God, who is love, and who in love provides food and drink to nourish our bodies. We thank you for this bread, for this wine, and all they symbolize for us. As we eat and drink, as we remember, 
Help us also to be grateful for all your goodness to us. Amen. Jesus took the bread and having given thanks, broke it and shared it with his friends. We are his friends wherever we are and we are invited to share, meeting the bread as we receive. And at the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine and said, this seals the covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. We will retain our glasses and drink together. What shall I render to God for all God's goodness to me? I will take the cup of salvation here in the midst of these God's people. We drink as a sign and symbol of our unity in the love of Christ. In love, God entered the world as a human being. In love, Jesus drew into God's self the sting of death. In love, Christ defeated death and lives forever. In love, God's spirit accompanies and equips us all. Glory be to the God who is love forever and ever. Amen.
So in a moment, I will say the blessing. Um, but after that, please do stay around for us to see the cake and cut the cake together. Um, it's really important that we have our folks who are on Zoom with us for that, if they're able to be. And then we'll have time for a cup of coffee and tea for those on site. And I will put together a breakout room for the Zoomers as well. And today I thought it might be nice if we blessed each other in the words we call the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.